Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Anyhow, all right, we're going to get into it. Grab your notes, grab your Bible, grab your journal. We're in week four of a series. We're calling the series Resilient. Say it with me, Resilient. And we're learning uh, right now about what I call Christian spiritual formation. And we're learning uh, about the intersection of real life, real life, and real faith. And uh, this is really what matters. This is the intersection where life and faith comes together. You know, the scriptures say it this way. Um, it says, when storms come, it doesn't say if storms come. It says when storms come. And I, we are all living in this sort of weird cultural moment where the storms seem to be coming every 24 hours, right? Every new news cycle bring something. And um, right now we're learning how to have a spiritual formation that holds up under the storms of our lives. This is an important thing. Uh, I am learning right now uh, uh, that um, sometimes when storms come, uh, our faith for really what it is, is exposed. And so if, if your formation is sound and your faith is built on a rock, like Keith had the team sing and all of us uh, lead us in and all of us sing, uh, you can stand up underneath that. But, but if it's not, you're going to struggle. And sometimes as pastors, I know, you know, I'm watching Pastor Jeff, Pastor Trevor on the front row here. We are called to the kind of work sometimes to intersect in the lives of people for whom their formation is not where it should be. And then, then something happens. And that's a really scary place to discover that you're not as prepared as you thought you would be. And so we're learning right now, uh, a lot, uh, about that. And we're learning how to have a kind of resiliency to our faith that that matters that shows up and we're building we're building kind of a, a an idea around that we we started with a, a a deep and powerful truth from Paul the apostle who says in Ephesians chapter 3 this he says i pray i pray paul says that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being and this is kind of the the touchstone verse that we're embracing in this series, this idea that in this truth, go back to it, Zach, just for a quick second. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, not your, not your stuff, not what you're bringing to the moment, but what God is willing out of his grace to offer to you, that he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being down in your souls. And I mean, we just started there because I think for a lot of us, this is kind of a novel idea. That the Christian faith is really not built on the faulty premise of, you know what you got to do? You go out there and you try harder. That's what you need to do. You need to try. Some of us have been on that treadmill, and here's what we want to say. That don't work. It don't work. I have a friend of mine who told me a silly joke. We have, we're from North Florida. I mean, North Florida people. 
None of, one of us, okay, some of us probably, <laughs> great. And uh, he, we, so we passed around North Florida jokes and he said these two guys were out. He goes, Dale, they're walking in the woods. They're out in, they're, they're out in the woods in, in North Florida and they come across this river. It was, you know, they, they, they didn't know the river was there and they're figuring, how are we, we going to get across the river? And this one North Florida guy says, the other guy, he says, I know what we'll do. He said, I'm off, I'm off turn my flashlight on and shine it over the river and then we'll get up on the beam and we'll walk across the river to the other side. And the one guy says to the other, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What kind of idiot are you? The minute I get up on that beam, you'll turn the beam off and I'll fall in the water and get wet. Okay? So, let's just move on, okay? So, some of us have faith that's like that. And you've accumulated all these little pithy sayings and all this little stuff and all this stuff in your drawer and then life happens and you're trying to symbol all that mess together and call it faith. That's not faith. And the world talks about Christianity and talks about blind faith. That's not faith. We're digging deeper in this moment. And so what we took is we took that powerful verse and we really kind of made a phrase that we're trying to live into, which is this, I have a soul that God longs to fill with his divine resilience. Every single one of us, God is longing to fill our souls with his divine resilience so that you could persevere, prevail, overcome, and endure. Praise God for that. And so we've been saying this, uh, last week we added a really important piece to this wheel. We're going to add another one in just a few moments. But we've come up with an idea that kind of like, that's like this. So genuinely receiving Jesus as Lord is all that's required to get you into heaven. When, when, when you and I make space for Jesus in our lives and we welcome him and his will and his way and his lordship and his you know, his truth into our lives. When we receive Jesus, we welcome him into our life. That is all that's required to get you into heaven. But here's the challenge to that. That is not all that's required to get heaven into you. There's something else. And this is kind of what we're aiming at, what we're pointing at. Sometimes as an equation, we've said, we think of it this way. If I have faith in a belief that it must equal a fruit and reward, so if I, if I believe the right things, then I will receive the fruit and the reward. You know, I think about that. Think about what Paul said about the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe we can name them together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you, if you believe that is, is, is the fruit of the Spirit, do you just receive it because you believe it? And here's what we're saying. It's kind of provocative. We're saying not necessarily. The equation doesn't really work. Faith and belief equals the fruit and reward. Here's really the right equation. It's the right faith and belief with the right what? Practice. Say it again. Practice. Say it again. Practice equals the fruit and the reward. I had kind of a visual reality check on that this week. I have a friend of mine who lives on a lake. Been watching the water continue to grow, lives in the middle part of our state, water just continuing to come up. All week long, he would, he would, he would text and he'd go, hey, um, prayers, water is a little higher than we're, we're comfortable with. A couple of days later, hey, prayers, um, it's, it's past anything I've ever seen. 
Thursday, I got a text and he said, the water's touching three walls of my house and I could use some prayer. And I'm looking down the text stream and there's a friend that texts in and this is what he said. Hey, the water's not going to go in your house. Relax. It's okay to laugh if you want to. Just because we say that, is that true? And I'm envisioning my friend going, the water's not going to go in the house, relax. Oh, great, I feel so much better. (laughs) That's not going to work. But when we add practices to our faith, right, it shows up. So what we've been doing is we're just adding these different developmental pieces in the, in the goal that we're going to build a kind of formation that shows up in resiliency. And so what we're going to do this morning, this weekend on all of our campuses is I want to add another component to it. We're going to do the next click that I think Paul gives us a real secret. So I want to take us to the book of Romans and we're going to read in Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you can open, open it on the app. And here's what we've been doing lately. We've been, because you don't need my idea, you need God's idea. You don't need my word and my opinion, because we, we need God's opinion in our lives. Here's what we've been doing as a church family. We're standing together for the reading of God's word. So could you do that with me? Let's just honor the Lord. He's here. And what we're going to do is we're going to learn from him now. This is just really a posture of learning. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Paul's been talking about the law. He's been talking about sin. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And, And then he tells us about the work of Jesus. And then he says, therefore, because of Jesus, there's no condemnation for those of us in him. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life to you has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled and met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. For the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the one, the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh can't please God. You, however, isn't that awesome? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. And if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Let's pray. God, would you come right now? Would you make us open to receive your word? Lord, these are desperate times and desperate moments. There are so many of us listening that all of us are facing some kind of battle in their lives. All of us have something going on. And God, what we need is your wisdom. What we need is your courage. What we need is your truth your will, your way. 
So would you, by the power of your spirit in this room and in all the rooms where people are honoring you right now and listening to you, would you come and do what only you can do? You teach us. And then you take that word, Lord, and make it live in us. For we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. So let me tell you what's um, going on here, just just so we have an idea. So this is... uh, this is what I would refer to as Paul's magnum opus. Many of us know that uh, Paul was uh, formerly Saul of Tarsus. He was a chief antagonist against the church that was thought of in those days as a cult because it was just so different. And this cult was believing that there was this God, think about it, who came in human flesh, lived a sinless life, raised from the dead off of a Roman cross into a grave, out of the grave. And, and, the, and this church was starting to root and grow and take form. And, and Paul was not trained in that, he, and, and he was an antagonist against that. And, and we have this incredible story in the book of Acts where he's on his way to Damascus to, to, to really uh, you know, assault an assembly of the people referred to as following the way. That's us. That's all of us. We're followers of the way. And, 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 and on his way, on the Damascus road, Jesus calls out to him. And says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he becomes a follower of Christ. Scholars think he takes a period of time to to get fully immersed and embraced in all of that truth. And he becomes from goes from chief antagonist to public defender of the Christian faith. Writes many of the books we read in the New Testament. And Romans is Paul's finest book. It's a letter, but it doesn't read like a letter. It reads almost like a lawyer's brief because Paul is giving this careful, uh, calculated, incredibly intelligent, uh, intelligent uh, understanding of the gospel of Jesus. And he begins after this long introduction uh, where he just goes on in this long introduction, uh, you know, uh, and, and basically in the introduction, if you get all through the Romans chapter one through five, do yourself a favor sometimes and read that. Here's the big point he's trying to make. We are, we are without hope without Jesus. We have no hope without him. And then on a dime, watch this, y'all, it flips in Romans chapter five, verse eight, on, on this verse right here and on this truth, he says this, but, so we're lost, we're out, we got, we got no hope, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, amen, Christ died for us. Hope just popped in the room, okay? And so here he is, you know, giving this elaborate detail, no hope to hope. And then the rest of the book of Romans is this treatise, if you will, on how you and I can persevere and prevail, how we can overcome, how we can endure, how there can be no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen before I start doing the dance. And then in Romans chapter 8, we just read it. He adds this thing, if you will, that all of us have to do business with if we're going to build a kind of Christian spiritual formation that will take us the long haul. Because here's what I want you to remind you. Christianity is not a sprint. 
It's a marathon. And the goal of the Christian experience and the possibility and the wonder and the joy of the Christian experience is that you and I can grow in a walk with God in such a way that in our own soul, heaven comes to earth. Isn't that the prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul says if we're going to do that, there's one thing we have to add, and he begins to tell us in this verse. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And here's what we're focusing on today. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. If we're going to go the distance in our faith, you and I are going to have to develop mental resilience. This is a part of what it means. And it's kind of an interesting thing to think about because here's what, here's what I think. I think in our culture and in our world, one of the things I love as a pastor is when I see these truths that are becoming embedded in our culture in a way as though they are the ones who thought of it. Like maybe it hasn't been around a little longer than this guy who frames it up and puts it in a new way. And we're seeing a lot right now about this idea of uh, mental resilience. We had a really good example of this recently. I don't know, how many of y'all know who this guy is right here? Now relax. <laughs> Tua, right? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's had a lot of uh, people sort of picking on him. He was hurt uh, last week, and there's been a lot. Of, I think he's doing better. There's been a lot of controversy about this. But, but this guy, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. How many of you believe that outside of this past week, that the Miami Dolphins, since game nine of last season, have had the best record in the NFL? I, the Dolphins. They're kind of like, you know, y'all know I love the Atlanta Braves. Remember the Braves were so bad and nobody would ever come to see the Braves. And the big joke about the Braves when they were going to play is, hey, when do the Braves play? And the Braves would go, when would you like them to play? <laughs> nobody comes. We'll come play for you. And you're, you know, this kind of a thing. And, um, uh, and they were talking about this recent win that he had, right, um, back in the fourth quarter. What, wasn't it la- last week or uh, so, uh, further back, maybe about two or three weeks ago, fourth quarter, 28 points in one quarter came back to win, right? And afterwards, it was interesting. He said, um, it has to do with the mental resiliency of our team. There's the word. How many of you guys are familiar with this guy right here? Aaron, Aaron Je- relax again. <laughs> can, can I, because I, I want compassion in the room. Can I? Can I tell you one of the hardest things when, 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 your, when your girls get married and they move out of your house? They, they adopt their husband's sports teams. I mean, I need someone to pray for me. I mean, you know, I mean, I, our girls grew up in this godly little Florida Gator Atlanta Brave home. Come on. And now they're Yankees fans and... Georgia Bulldogs. 
Aaron Judge. This guy's been chasing Roger Maris' record, right? Uh, Roger Maris, uh, back in 61, hit 61 homers to become the all-time home run American League hitter. So here comes Aaron Judge, another Yankee. Maris wore nine. Judge wears 99. 61 years later, both playing right field, and he hits the ball out. Claims the record, but he's been in this space where he went homerless for like seven games, I think it was. And it was such a struggle, and everybody's wondering. And all they talked about with him was this young man at 30 years old, Christ follower, by the way, you know, the mental resilience of this young guy to pull this off. And, you know, finally he does it. There's the ball. There's the picture of it uh, leaving. And uh, you think he was excited. My daughter was so excited it was finally over. Look at what she texts me one afternoon. (laughs) I said, how you doing? You watching the game? She texts me that. My God, will he ever hit the ball? You know, kind of a thing. Now, here's the interesting thing about mental resilience. This is what I want to draw your attention to. Here's what Paul said. Watch this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says this, Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wait a minute. You mean this? all this stuff about neurobiology, neuroplasticity, You know, all this stuff right now that we're reading in the sports world and our culture, it's not a new idea. No, it goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul. Look at it in the NLT translation. I love it even better. It's even more clear. Look at it this way. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Most of the battle for us, brothers and sisters, it's, it's right there. It's right there. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the Christian experience. And, and, and some of us, if we're going to prevail, we're going to have to let God change the way you think. I, I've been uh, ruminating over this a little bit. And I thought, I, 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 I see a pattern in Scripture I want to give to you real quickly that um, I think really lays itself out in a way. Sometimes I see things, this is how my brain works. I see things like um, I see a beginning class and then I see an intermediate class and then I see an advanced class. Let me show you, if you want to move toward mental resilience, uh, let me give you the three classes in a nutshell. I think the first class, for those of you that are interested, is we all have to start by getting to know our thoughts. When was the last time you did a little bit of an inventory around your thoughts? Because when you read the whole of Scripture, the whole of Scripture says there's three forces fighting for your thought life. Three forces. Paul gives us one of them, and it's called the flesh, which is um, what we feel. So our culture says it this way. You've, you've heard it. You know, if it just feels right, it mu- must be right. I mean, if it feels good, I mean, it, it has to be good. How many of you have ever been tripped up by that? 
come on, some, get, all the hands should go up or you're a liar in the room. <laughs> I don't remind you, God is here. He's watching you right now. Uh, another, one, another one is the world. I think this is what Paul's talking about when he, when he points toward patterns. And, and, and so the flesh says, if it feels good, here's what the world tells you. Everybody's doing it. Come on now. I mean, everybody's doing it. My dad, when I, used to, when I was growing up, my dad had the gift of subtlety. I say that like he did not have the gift of subtlety. And uh, I remember when I would go to my dad, if I wanted to do something, I, would, I knew my mom would always send me to my dad. So sometimes when I felt really brave, I'd go to my dad first. And I'd say, um, hey, dad, I want to go do this. Some friends are doing. And my dad would always do this. He'd go, tell me more. Didn't you hate when your parents did that? Hey, just tell, tell me more. And I'd try to tell him more. And then I, he would watch me with his eyes. I, could, I remember his blue eyes. He'd be looking right at me. I could feel my arg, whole argument crumbling. And I remember this one time, my argument was crumbling. And I said, you know what? I said, all my friends are doing it. Here comes the gift of subtlety. Well, all your friends are idiots. <laughs> Great. Okay. So what's competing for your mind? The flesh, the world, and then look at this one. Ah, the devil. Some of you are right now are going, oh, okay, yeah, you're going to talk about the devil. And um, maybe I won't talk about the devil. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let Jesus talk about the devil. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said, you belong to, to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. Watch this next verse. Because when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he's a liar and the father of lies. Let me tell you what the enemy has. gives me goosebumps to tell you. He's the enemy of your soul. And some of the biggest question, the biggest question you can ask yourself in this beginning class isn't if it's good. It isn't even if, it's, if, if everybody else is doing it. Here's the question you need to ask. Everybody needs to get really good at this question. Is it true? If we just got to the place we started asking that more, is, is this thing I'm thinking about, is it true? Is this thing I've started to believe about myself, is it true? When I'm around this person and they're saying these things or they're coaching me toward these things, are they true? Because I want to tell you what, your heart is going to lie to you and you're going to go, but it feels good. And the culture's going to lie to you and it's going to go, everybody's doing it. And then you get to hear my dad's voice. Everybody's an idiot. Is it true? You want to go to the intermediate class? It's not just to know your thoughts. It's, it's secondly, to learn to make your thoughts work for you. Now watch this. This is so brilliant. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, he says, we have to learn to demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I could preach on that for a month. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
You put a lasso around your thoughts and make them obedient. Some of you guys are so scattered by the lies that you've taken into your soul, you are being dragged around by your nose to every ditch in sight. This is what's going on. And I got to just tell you sometimes as a pastor, it's awful to watch it. This is what we're doing. We've bought all these lies and we're just getting dragged around. And Paul said, what you got to do is you got to know your thoughts. And then you, rather than you're captive to your thoughts, your thoughts are captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. If some of us just started doing that, let me just maybe at the risk of overselling, right? That would change your life right there. That would change your life. That's, and, and here's what I would tell you. That's the intermediate class. We're not even at advanced level yet. Anybody want to go to the advanced level? Want to go one more? I'm going to do it whether you want to or not. So here's, here's, here's the last one. We just start aiming at better thoughts. Now, here's why. I put, why did you put that last, Pastor Dale? Because you can't start here. Why can't I start there? Because we're talking about practicing. You can't just, you know, what, what am I going to do? Come before you and go, hey, everybody, here's the goal. Think better thoughts. Go team. Pop you on the rear, out you go. Probably shouldn't have said that, but... You, 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 you get, you get, you get, you get my, <laughs> this is my wife in the room. She's not in the room. Okay. Um, here's, here's what Paul says real quickly, real quickly. Philippians 4, 8. Hey, finally. Notice how he put that last? Finally. Whatever is, look at where he starts too. I'm just kind of noticing that. Notice where he starts. Finally. Whatever's true. I feel like the Spirit wants to tell you guys this morning, or somebody who needs to hear, you're being taken captive by this whole idea of living your truth. And I feel like God would have me tell you your truth is a lie. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Learn to think on such things. Uh, I have some areas in my life where God is talking to me about that. I'm uncovering some things that felt good, and I saw others embracing that Jesus is saying, I even choose a better way for you than that. I pray the same thing for you. Lord, the battle is in our mind. And so in the spirit of hospitality, as we're receiving you and welcoming you, we are receiving and welcoming your spirit into our lives, which you said of yourself will guide us to all truth. 
I pray for my friends this morning that we would not be oversold by the flesh, by the world, and by the devil. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the night. So I want to just say this as we close this morning. Um, I want to ask if, if you would be willing, would we all just sort of put our hands out like this, just as a posture of being open before the Lord. And uh, some of you, your battle is just coming to know your thoughts. And if, if that's you, you're in the beginning class, you've been led away by the flesh and the world and the devil. Um, I want to pray for you right now. So with our hands extended, Lord, I pray for these precious people that need to begin to understand and categorize and know, Lord, their thoughts because their thoughts are guiding their lives. So Lord, we're going to lay that before you this morning. Give them the courage and the, and, and the desire to become better acquainted with the kinds of things they're thinking. And now some of us, your, your, your struggle really is the next level up. It's bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so I want to pray for you if you're in the intermediate class. Lord, I pray for these, my friends. And I pray that those uh, that maybe, you know, Lord, maybe they're holding back something. There's something they don't want to give up. There's something they're thinking, Lord. But if I do this, it means that. Would you give them courage, Lord Jesus, to do what they need to do to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus? And then lastly, for those of us, Lord, who are kind of stretching toward the advanced class, uh, Lord, I would say to many of us in this space, help us think better thoughts. Give us preemptive understanding when our mind begins to wander that God, you would help us get back on track so that we could literally live into what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and of good report. This we lay before you in the spirit of Jesus, in the spirit of honesty. Come and do what you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Go in his peace, go in his love. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend. We'll keep digging.